Okay, ramblers, let's get rambling. Now where it is now, everybody wants a piece of the market. <laughs> oh my God, that is funny! I don't remember asking you a thing. I'm funny how? I mean, funny like I'm a clown, I amuse you? With all due respect, what the f*** are you talking about? Oh, I'm sorry, did I break your concentration? What the f*** is so funny about me? Tell me. Tell me what's wrong. You represent the idiocy of today. I did not know that. English mother do you speak it? Are you listening to me? That's my together, my together. Nice personality combination, hostile and intolerant. So that's, that's it then. No one else really knows anything. Lord, welcome back to Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tamau. Matt Byrne on the board, and we have, uh, Greg Pappas in the studio, like we do every Monday, to talk about. We're going to grill him about his second his second career today, but that's okay. Mm. He likes he likes being grilled. SP features up forty, as it features up one forty two, and he spent uh, would you spend twelve hours in a Michigan bar on uh, Saturday? <laughs> I did. Got uh, pretty toasted up. It was fun. Um, any members of the opposite sex there? There were a few. And they were definitely drinking too. So, uh, were they buying or just <laughs> were they buying? Yeah, <laughs> no, that's why they were there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I see. Um, anyway, we're trying to bounce back from a miserable Friday. Uh, so, like at, you got a good head start. Well, as of right now, we're exactly where we were a week ago Friday. We're in like a half a point in the spider. So, very strange world we're living in right now. I just um, you mentioned something last Monday. I don't remember that. Know that you remember it, but. How much do you think of this as just the the, the animal fa- spirits? Well, the fabric of the new market, which um, Russell Napier had a cool note over the weekend. Um, he was saying the new market is government driven rather than Fed driven, and how the government's going to take over the private credit and they're going to use that vehicle to um, deflate away their debt expenses and help the average consumer. Well. First of all, the only way you get rid of your debt ex- expenses is to inflate, not deflate. Oh, yeah. I- inflate, excuse yeah, me. Yeah, we're already uh, doing that. Yeah. Um, I, uh, That's the new world. Hey, before we get started, I have a question for you two youngsters compared to me. Mm. Uh, just in terms of South Side ethics. Last week, I, I don't know if I told you a story about owning the street guy, wise guy, a buck. I went through a... Walgreens, I came out with my two bucks to buy Streetwise. The guy goes, they're three bucks. No and inflation. And I said, well, you don't have a change for 20. And he said, no. He said, tell you what, I'll spot you the buck. So I owe the Streetwise guys a buck, right? <laughs> now, you know, it's the next time to Walgreens, I was going to pay to get a buck. Now, yesterday, I'm kind of cleaning up. I said, I'll take a look at the Streetwise. Maybe read an article in there. Turns out it's a July Streetwise. Ooh. So mm-hmm. now my question is, since I got screwed on the street. Why? Yeah. Do I still owe him the buck? <laughs> I think it's I don't. Why? Yeah. I think, I think he stiffed me for two, not me owing him mm. one, just saying. Yeah, that was a that was a smooth <laughs> operator right Oh, yeah. There. I mean, I, when's the last time you checked your data on the streetwise? Mm, you got to check the streetwise. You know things might be getting a little worse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How low could you go to sell me an old streetwise? Man. Oh, yikes. I so, think you're good for now. You're good. I, I might be good. Anyway. Uh, Brutal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How bad could it get in this world for guys? This, I get screwed by the streetwise guy. First, I have, then I, first I thought I owed him. Now I'm getting screwed by the guy. It's like I don't know if you saw up north. There was a video of some guy having his car taken, but he jumped on the windshield, and uh, 
held on to the roof racks and the guy was trying to <laughs> the guy was trying to uh, reverse and 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 accelerate to get the guy off of his own car of his own car and eventually i think after you know 30 seconds or whatever the dude took off and they took a bunch of pictures of him and uh, he had an ankle monitor on <laughs> <laughs> oh, the, the guy, the guy on the car, or the guy in the, the guy car? in the car trying to take oh, the yeah. car. It's a, it's a, it's, it's an absolute joke, I think. But so at least the guy didn't hit you in the head and take your wallet. No, no. It's a, well, I'm sure that's one of these days. <laughs> or, or the, or the beast. Yeah, yeah. But when somebody wants my, I don't, I don't think, I don't think this. You know, back in the day, uh, when my truck was new, they were the hottest, the hottest cars to be stolen big suburbans because they within like a day they were down in Mexico with the drug cartel guys oh yeah that's now a prison car that's yeah now evidently they don't want them anymore or something or the new <laughs> ones aren't as good very strange this guy was riding his own car on the hood and the windshield uh, for a block well do you believe that Maddie Weber's wife got her, her uh, catalytic converter yeah. taken right in f- oh. on Armitage on a, on a main street yeah how, how do you I, I never see a policeman. I mean, we, they claim we have well, twice as many police as, as New York or, or L.A. per person, and I, I never see no, anybody. that's wrong. It's, it's, we're, we're under New York. I think we're over Baltimore or something. It's close. It's like no, no, four. I'm talking about police officers per person. Yeah, mm. yeah, it's like four, four people, one police officer. Or something. God. <laughs> so you, you, I'm sure you're happy to know the Bank of America tops estimates on better-than-expected bond trading and higher interest rates. Is there anybody that comes on TV? You know, I, I should never get say anything disparaging, but, I mean, but does the president of that bank look like he, he got up? He, he got to start and use cars or what? <laughs> <laughs> are you comment? Are these uh, what's ad hominem attacks? I'm just I'm just saying the guy, the guy. First of all, does anybody in America believe that what's good for banks, for for they can make an absolute fortune, is good for you? Well, yes, and we just gave out a Nobel Prize for a central banker. <laughs> Okay, now all right. You know, I was I was arguing with Carl about that on Friday. Allegedly, the guy got the, his Nobel Prize for his his his, his uh, saving the world. No, he got his Nobel Prize for doing a book about the depression. The the quantity of money during the depression. Yeah. The research, right? Yeah. Yeah. Which I think was already done by Milton Friedman, but um, no, that's what I mean. He he allegedly is this big genius on the depression. Yeah, you could tell and he said what, we will not have that happen again. Well, he was he was so happy in his mind that he got to fight the depression again in two thousand seven, two thousand eight. Oh, uh, you can't read his mind, Come it, on, chief. Um, <laughs> it, 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 you know what I said at the time that when everybody said how he was a all he talked about is the, is the depression, but there's but there's a there were big differences, and I think he screwed it up both times. They screwed it up both times, but that's, but that's just me. Um, anyway, the uh, Bank of America eighty one cents versus seventy cents share a uh, share. Revenue twenty four point six billion. You know, a hefty chunk of change. Hefty chunk of change, and they don't pay anybody anything. Well, <laughs> well you know, it's 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 absolutely scary. I, I don't. This whole banking thing needs. Is Brian Moynihan? I don't know. I mean, he, God, he, whatever. It looks like the cat who swallowed the canary. How did I get this job? What does that guy make a year? Oh, uh, we can look that up. It's a. I'm looking uh, at the. Uh, all right, so I have two serious questions for use. Use as a. As a as a guy who's still on the trade, what is? I'm hearing all kinds of uh, was it murmurs in the mist, whispers in the wind. I've talked a little bit about my concerns with these banks and so forth over in Europe, basically holding all these bonds at 
at a price at which they're, they look horrible on their balance sheet because they bought them at zero interest rates or say say a very small interest rate, 0.1, and now they're up to points, up to 3 or 4%. Those binds, what, what do you suppose a mark-to-market on their balance sheet looks like? And it's just, anyway, we went through some of that last week, but and then there's the, the fiasco with uh, uh, Credit Suisse. We have some, we have some yeah, peop- they're, they're tiny, though. I'm, are you really worried about them? I mean, if it spreads, I guess, but everybody seems to be at least making fun of them. More they're, the, everybody, put it to you this way, everybody's an idiot that, that does that. They're not on my radar, at least. Well, I think it's they, they aren't as a bank in terms right. of their size, but they have been big into the uh, credit default swaps forever. They're huge in currency trading. It's not. It's not about their revenue or their their balance sheet. It's about their book and the counterparty risk if they were to go down. So the financial system again. We're talking. Yeah. About, right. would, if you had to put a number on the the gross value of all the credit defaults, default swaps, and things like that that they have, it's got to make the place look. You know, the place looks like a. Well, slowly, those places are being replaced. I think by trading firms. Ultimately, the people who buy out those. You know, bankrupted or portfolios or whatever. So you're, you're happier with BlackRock than you are Swiss? Credit oh, Suisse? Not, not BlackRock, but someone like a, I don't know, like a DRW comes in and takes over the portfolio of Lehman Brothers bonds or whatever. That's not, as, in my mind, the worst thing. I'm not, I'm not talking about the bonds. I'm talking about oh, the, the, the stuff that the, the, the default swaps. The default swaps. Yeah. And, and people who have, they 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 buy one from one place, then you sell it to. You sell it over city or someplace, and you think you're flat, and all of a sudden you're not. Yeah, that's the OTC risk is if they're short or whoever's short is the one who should be uh, regulated. And there's that difference between <laughs> short and unlimited risk and defined risk. And if you're selling a whole bunch of stuff that you have uh, no oversight over, and these could pay out 10, 20, 30 times, or however many what they're selling them for, of course solvency becomes an issue. Well, I remember uh, back in the day in 2007, 2008, when all this, a lot of this stuff came to fruition, right? The big hue and cry was, let's get, just, just like currency transactions way back in the day, when, you know, in like the 90s, let's get the currency transactions on the exchanges. Yeah, that but, would But be banks good. make a fortune on it. Right. That, that would be... Because you have one customer. Golden Goose, or what's it called? Well, you have one customer. Right. I mean, my stepfather used to buy... Uh, their forwards, I, I think it was Continental, but I don't, I'm not sure. One of the one of the banks is no longer here, but they held all their debt. So when they when they asked them to hedge their currency, they're the ones that sold them stuff. You can only imagine how much, what kind of a yeah, crap old price. Give yourself a little bit of wiggle room. Yeah, you <laughs> imagine the crap old price. So remember, uh, it's remember a, a nice guy, little business. Remember a guy, uh, maybe four year time over at the series. Uh, before he retired, he used to come by our table a lot. Um, Tommy Hammond. I've heard of Tommy. Tommy, real nice guy. Yeah. And, uh, but he was, uh, he was head of Board of Trade Clearing, and then he went down to work for the ICE. And his, his job was to try and bring some of the credit default swaps onto exchanges. And he got a real good head start in 2007, 2008. As people were outraged with, you know, Lehman Hip going down with theirs and Bear Stearns going down with theirs and all that stuff. <clears throat> and he and, and the government essentially having to bail out Goldman Sachs like they always do. Yeah, a hundred cents on the dollar, I think. Yeah, well, they, well, they bailed out AIG, right? And the AIG gave the check right to Goldman. Yeah, because it would anyway. So, it, and as time went by, it became totally useless. So finally, he, I think he retired. He said, "Hell with it." 
because as you know, once a year, as soon as people stop talking about it, I don't think any of them got any exchanges. They're all they're all back at the banks yeah, and whoever bank wants them. <laughs> so I mean, because they, they they give you the price, <laughs> you know, it's much easier if, if you know. <laughs> I don't I don't think I ever have the the mentality to do it, but it'd be a hell of a lot easier <clears throat> if you wanted to buy calls on IBM. If I gave you the price and sold it, this is a really good price. Well, who's selling it to you? Well, I am. I am. <laughs> I am. I am. Like, That's the, that, I am the yeah. arbiter of the value of Yeah. The, by the way, you make making money on it? Well, of course. I got a little something, little something for something. Gotta, well, I got to wet my beak, right? You got it. Maybe it's 2 and 20. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I got to I gotta wet my beak, Rodney. Um, anyway, so hey, um, you're also an expert. I am an expert in nothing. At the uh, restaurant business. <laughs> so I head out to, uh, <laughs> yeah, I head out to uh, Audrey's, and so of course she's got some deal work, and so, and then the Irish are on, so she says, why don't we just order a pizza? I said, all right, I'll go get it. Large pizza, you know, with a lot of stuff on it, 40 bucks. Woof. Now, if you wanted the family, wow. it would be 48. Yeah. Wait a second. Yeah. There's a difference between, oh, so there's a large size and a family oh, size? Oh, sure. Oh. So. This is, this is <laughs> Southside pizza. So it's. Well, family's huge. Okay, family is huge and fifty bucks. Yeah. Wow. So uh, this is picking it up. It's not even getting it delivered. <laughs> deliver it is oh, be, an extra. Be, an extra. We don't probably an extra five bucks. You got to tip the guy. Which you know why wouldn't you? You delivered it. So anywho, the so I'm thinking as a as, as a guy who for whatever reason thinks in this, these terms, your buddy, the head of the White Castle, one day came on TV. This is this is a long time ago. You know, they said, what's the biggest risk to the restaurant industry? He says, the biggest risk is because of a lot of cost factors and a lot of reasons. The spread between what you can eat for at home versus what you can eat, eat for out has never been bigger, and people are going to sit there and go, what am I doing this for? Yeah, that's uh, if you're a good restaurant, you're probably, after expenses and stuff, in, if you're still in business after two years, which is a pretty high failure rate, oh, yeah. I think it's probably similar to trading. Um, you're making five to ten percent, and the rest of that um, goes, you know, food, alcohol, labor, and then your fixed costs. So, if your if your uh, food cost goes up, you know, however much, say twenty percent or <laughs> whatever it's been, you have to. Uh, in order to maintain that five to ten percent, you have to juice one part of the. If it's not food, you have to bring up an, a different one, and and you're just trying to make um, that end of year number kind of uh, just enough to make up for that uh, increase. So, the restaurant probably has a threshold to where they're okay. It's it's gone up this much. We're going to increase prices. Uh, I don't know, maybe double that or, or something. Whatever makes that, uh, gets you to that 5% number or 10% number at the uh, at the end. So, net. Well, I, I would think that the overall margin isn't that big. But the Usually uh, not. But, but if, I'm saying if even if it's good, 10%. you're pulling out 5 to 10% of cash from the business. So what do, you, what do you think, like, downstairs on a Friday night if they... If they have a bunch of guys, some some work, some young guys. Young guys are all big on shots. I, we know, even even you know we used to like to drink when we were younger, but no, we were never shot guys. 
see somebody walk by with like 25 shots on a tray at nine bucks a shot i think you're making some money on that yeah the alcohol usually has the best you always want to sell alcohol because you're you're uh it doesn't take time to make it and you buy it and it's it's the best thing for profitability i mean it's it's easier for the waiter to take take you a a drink than it is for the cook to buy the materials and and cook it and and take all the time it's it's food is much more labor intensive so if you can you want to um make more on the alcohol and have that maybe subsidize some of the food cost well what uh when i when i was at and uh, labor when i was at pullman a long long time ago uh one of the guys our assistant controller who was one hell of a baseball player by the way uh he uh Left Pullman, he went to work for Scott Ladd, Ready Froze Division. You ever hear of those guys? They what were the products. They were in a, they were meat purveyor. They did a bunch of other stuff, Scott Ladd. But oh, nice. They were one of the first meat purveyors. Matter of fact, I think they were the first to use that, uh, what's that real heavy plastic where you vacuum seal stuff in? Um, like when you guys get your your tenderloins, probably, they're all in these these heavy plastic things, right? C- cellophane, isn't it? Well, it's it's way higher. I mean, it's a, it's a much yeah, it's heavier... Like a it's a heavier it's duty. It's like on your way to PVC. Oh, I see. Yeah, because, yeah. I mean, in those days, this is, you know, 1970s, they were talking about how you could keep it in a refrigerator for, like, 90 days in a freezer for, like, 10 years and this stuff because there was, like, no air in it. It was vacuum sealed a little bit. And uh, that's why if you go into any restaurant... Is that what you're... Is that wet vac? Is that what you're... I'm not sure, but he... But, I mean, that, that's why if you go into any restaurant, even, like, the old brokers, and nine people wanted a filet, you'd say, how the hell could they have nine filets back there? They do. Yeah. You know, Definitely. because it's a re- real easy to store. Anyway, but he said in those days, the, uh, the a good restaurant, if you ordered a steak for 20 bucks, that the actual steak should cost the place 8 Yeah. And then, I mean, like, the, the baked potato uh, and the other <laughs> stuff. But yeah. I'm saying, in those days, it was rough, roughly maybe uh, two, two and a half to one. 40% food costs is, it, at, a, at a nice place, that's... That's pretty standard, I would I would imagine. I'm going to say at that... a nice place. At a uh, cheap place, you know, stuff is frozen. And I'm going to say that uh, that number is now over five, pushing six to one. And what they cost no. them for the actual stuff on the plate versus you, you no, paying for it. I don't think so. Food cost should be anywhere from, you know, 30 to 45 or so percent. If you're spending more than 45 percent on on food you're in trouble i mean oh my uh, my buddy restaurant al has been on the show a couple times rest an italian restaurant which he's no longer affiliated with because all their pasta dishes were 22 23 bucks 24 yeah this is the most expensive one where the where the clams we actually put some clams on there it was 450 well that's a good one you want to sign up for that restaurant <laughs> i don't know why he left well i mean <laughs> the, the problem is they only had uh 15 or 20 tables so and a lot of places will tell you. I mean, small, you, I mean, you guys are over. Your place is big, yeah. Right. So, but the other places, if it's 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 turned about a night. I mean, it, like he would tell me that if uh, if if the individual person's tab was thirty five bucks, and they had they turned every table twice, they about broke even. If everybody's tab was forty five, they made dough. Yeah. Because the lease was so. I mean, the lease with a fifteen or twenty table place is so is so different than than series basically. Yeah, the you can tell uh, from what we were talking about, like the failure rate in restaurants. I believe a lot of it has to do with those beginning things, uh, just even before you cook or do right. anything. For if your lease is 
is too much or if your lease is <laughs> is a percentage of sales that's too high or if your lease is very difficult in terms of like duration so if you've got a three-year lease and all of a sudden your restaurant's doing well well they they have the power it you really need to pay attention to that before you even start or else you put yourself at a serious disadvantage well it, it comes down to like everything else well yeah i mean if you, if you have a small enough if your lease is big enough and your amount of spots is small enough i mean he basically said if somebody doesn't order dessert or an after dinner drink we break even right which has nothing to do with the food it has to do with the way you're set up and but i'm saying i'm gonna guess that this pizza if it cost them in in uh in food in the pizza, if it was more than five hours, I'd be stunned. Maybe six or so. And how many people does that serve usually? Mm, three-ish, four. Really? Yeah, you know, but some family probably does. Depends on who who's eating. You know, fifty dollars uh, for three. Pe- I guess that's. Mm-hmm. Well, but I'm saying it's. But I mean, wh- how much is it? What does it cost for the for the raw ingredients in that thing? It, it's not ten. It's got to be six or seven, maybe five. Uh, for a pizza place, yeah. probably, probably ten to fifteen percent. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's a, so we're, we're up to, you know, we're up to yeah, seven or eight. How much meat was on there? Yeah, they put quite a bit. Yeah, so then maybe twenty percent. Yeah, I, I bet there's a, at least a half a pound of uh, good sausage on there. So that's five bucks a pound. So it's two fifty right there. Yeah. You know, so, so I mean, it's, not, it's good stuff. I mean, it's not like it's. I'm just saying it's not costing them fifteen in, in cost sort of thing. No way. You don't think so? Oh, I mean, I mean, you know what? Do you they find? sell alcohol there? Uh, inside, yeah, we just wine, just wine. Well, just but it's, it's not mostly they get families after, yeah. after baseball so, games and stuff. So they're probably making more on the food. So oh yeah, you can't really, you don't have the that cushion with. But they got the huge carryout. I mean, the carryouts with pizza joints too. Yeah, I mean pizzas. If you do it right, you know your ingredients are not as expensive, and the it's. There's a reason that people the, love pizza. Look at, the, look at the amount of French fries you guys charge. Yeah. <laughs> How much are French fries? Nothing? French fries are are a good one because as long as you as long as you keep them at the right uh temperature, they they stay crispy. Yep. Hey uh so there's no I mean you you're still on the floor. Nobody's every once in a while. Well no really. but nobody's sniffing around like uh some of my clients are really worried about what's going on with these banks and stuff. Let's get back to that a little bit. I mean, is that? I mean, how do you, how do you even as a regular player? You got to have good good relationships and good friends. So if you're doing business with Credit Suisse, you know, good luck. If you're doing business with solid banks here and you're confident that your accounts are either SIPC or your uh, you know your relationships when like like with the restaurant when the stuff goes bad. Um, they'll work with you if if yeah. you have a terrible counterparty or if you have a terrible business uh if you're doing business with lehman brothers or or bear stearns those people who are supposed to be smart but they're you know clearly not you know you got to reevaluate maybe pull some money to some other places uh i don't know you know if i'm but how does how does a person like you or ethics. me i mean you're closer to the floor now than i, mean, I used to be but even then the information how 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 would you and I ever have sniffed out a Bear Stearns collapse? You never really know. You never really know. But as soon as your stock starts to go, you know, <laughs> then that if there's like the bank bank run possibility, then you know you might be in trouble. The real the real way is like the same thing as everything else. You can't be solely reliant on one or two institutions. I mean, if you're if you you, I guess 
you know kind of how much you need to to make investments or live or whatever so if there's a significant effect to your life if one of those firms you know delays or goes goes uh dark for a few days you know that's that's uh that's needs to be in the calculus well yeah, because i mean the last thing i wanted i got a client call on, on friday and a uh, guy was wants me to well we have a lot of people like to do this wants to get a whole portfolio of nice uh, dividend stacks and i just you know what I haven't seen so many so many companies that I thought were good companies go out in my investing lifetime. I'm just really reluctant to do individual stacks for people. I mean, that's why I do these indexes. It, I, I honestly don't know what these guys are doing. These banks, I mean, our banks, are, are they solvent only because the Fed has given us so damn much money that they couldn't possibly screw it up? And it, is, that, <laughs> is that the attitude, that they they have so many reserves, so much cash, and, and they're making so much salaries? I mean, but are they doing the same stupid stuff they always did? I you, think they probably are. You'd like to think that things change and that people change, and that government helps. But in reality, <laughs> how much are you really expecting that to work? I don't know. Maybe it, it, history doesn't repeat, but, you know, rhyming. Something will happen in terms, and they'll call it the financial system might crash. It could be a monetary problem. It could be a financial problem. And they could probably conflate the difference. But um, the, the whole thing is, if you're with solid companies... Which uh, you don't know if they are or they aren't. There's, I don't know, am I allowed to say individual banks? Yeah. Yeah, so I would much rather be at Northern Trust than at uh, somewhere somewhere else. I would, I would agree. Yeah, just because there's that history of them being around and them not using using their position as uh, leverage. And, well, well yeah, they, they don't do that. They're more right. of a... Uh, SP so. Futures up 44 and NASDAQ Futures up 155. Be right back, Stacks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation in the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold. The idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. 
But I do know that if I did invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello, welcome back to Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tom Al. We're going to have Mr. John Flanagan in a second. We still have Greg Pappas in the in the audience here. Audience, he's with a mic. What does that mean? He's a contributor. He's he's here. He's I'm the peanut gallery. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and we have a uh, Mastercard will help banks offer cryptocurrency trading. Oh, there's a there's a positive. Yeah. I'm a on the board. We have SP futures up 42, and Nasdaq futures up 149. We're trying to. Uh, make back the Friday fiasco, which I, I was stunned. We were down so much on Friday after the Thursday huge turnaround. Uh, Dow up 307, individual stocks. So every, I, there's not a not a hunk of red on my screen here. Everything everything is everything is green. United Healthcare up 439. We got Goldman Sachs up 345. Home Depot up 325. It's a happy days are here again. The only thing that matters is Apple, as far as I'm concerned. Apple's what's, up what's bucks Apple up. Doing? Oh, Apple's up buck buck eighty. It was, it was under 140 on Friday. Ew, that's not good for the Apple Apple creatures. We're in Europe. DAX up 136, 1.1%. FTSE up 53, 0.8%. CAC around up 51.9% as the the new uh, prime minister over there is backing off big time under the tax dodge or the tax uh, decrease news. So I think that's put those guys back somewhat where everybody likes them again. Mm. We're in Asia. We got the Nikkei's down 314, 1.1%. We've got the uh, Shanghai up 12.4%. Uh, Hang Seng up 25.1%, still under 17,000 dramatically. 16,612. Uh, Greg, is there any hope for those guys? I, they, they got trouble over there. Friday, just as we were talking about, that was down 403. S&P's down 86. NASDAQ down 327. So we're, we're nowhere near that. We're about half, half back on that. So I guess that's good. It's not a Fibonacci retracement, which is two-thirds, right, Greg? Uh, bonds down five basis points, 3.95. They were four. Uh, but we're still pushing that four number. One down 10, 225. Japan, guess what? 0.25, where they always are. We've got oil up 17 cents, 85.78. Brent up 34 cents, 91 in 97. Natural gas down 29 cents, 616. It was 9.30 a few weeks ago, and everybody thought it was going to the absolute moon. Who would have, God bless, who would have, who would have shorted it there? And you're up three bucks. What a deal that is. Our Bob... Uh, Unchanged at 263. I did not have the stones to do that, Greg. I'll be honest. Uh, we got <laughs> that takes a lot of oh god, that thing a is lot a of huge boulders. Con- wow, gold up 14 bucks, but still mired in the 1600, 1663. Silver up 43 cents, 1850. As it continues to raise back and forth between 18 and 20 bucks and doesn't break out either way. Copper up two cents, 344. We've got Bitcoin up 196, but still under 20,000, 19,462. And we have the U.S. dollar. Uh, the pound is up uh, over 1% to 1.13, and the euro is up uh, 24 basis points to 0.97. It seems like it's never going to make it back to, to parity. Uh, mm-hmm. We wouldn't have guessed a year ago. Matt, what do you have for us? Traffic, weather, sports. Hey, good no, morning. No, no bears. They couldn't lose again. It was no great. No bears. Yeah, they're not doing too well this season. Well, then again, what kind of season is a good season for the bears? It's 6.37 a.m. on Monday, October 17, 2022. Traffic in Chicago, two accidents on the Kennedy going eastbound. Both occurred around Harlem Avenue. Uh, they're both uh, right on the ramp to exit 81A, so some sort of connection there. Uh, expect delays up to five minutes. 
Weather in Chicago, pretty clear this morning. Possibility of rain from 3 to 6 this afternoon. Right now, though, we're currently at 36 degrees uh, today. Expect a high of 44 and a low of 36. In Phoenix, though, clear skies, currently 64 degrees, a high of 84 and a low of 64. The MLB playoffs yesterday, Yankees beat Guardians 4-2. Both teams back again tonight in New York to play at 6.07 p.m. In the NFL tonight, Denver Broncos play LA Chargers at SoFi Stadium. Broncos currently stand at two wins and three losses. Chargers, three and two. Game starts at 7.15 Central Standard Time. All for now, back to you, Chief. So uh, we still don't have the, the most beloved line in the history of uh, Stacks and Jacks. Hey, John, how are you? Uh, good, Tom. How about you? Morning, Craig. Is in the, the good lo- morning. The, the lovely and, and crazy Angelica. Bulls lose to Pistons. Who cares? They, all they do is lose. <laughs> <laughs> How's that? How's that for a sports report? Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what you want to hear Monday morning. Yeah. <laughs> well, who cares? All they do is lose. <laughs> I, I can only try to reach those levels. I can only try. Well, you don't have the voice. I don't, well, and you, they don't no. look like her either. So, no, uh, I don't have the Ukrainian or the or the beauty. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> what what a, what a sweetheart. Um, <laughs> fortunately, she's doing well. She actually became a computer. What do you call the people that that, that uh, edit edit the the uh, the actual lines? The code editors. Yeah, she's a code editor. Wow. And uh, she went to school for, God, six days a week for probably two years. And then she got wow. hired by, by Abbott Labs. Good for her. I mean, she's a Oh, great. That's great. Give her my best time. And she also got her mom out of Ukraine. Oh, thank God. And they're living in the same apartment. I, and f- from what I know, they're both still alive. So mm. that's a good thing. Yeah. I said, are you guys going to be, like, fighting? Like, And she oh, no, no, we'll be fine. I'm like, okay, we'll see how that works out. But anywho, so, Jan, uh, all kinds of crazy stuff. we got the markets flying up and down. We've got... People worried about European banks. We've got European central banks and others sitting on balance sheets, pension funds in Britain, where if they mark their, their pension fund to market, it's worth like zero. Now, nobody's talking at all. Jan Might be Orgrit. an issue. Yeah. No, uh, so what is, the, ba- the pension funds got three days to straighten themselves out. That was Friday. Does that mean everybody's all straightened out today? I, mean, I, I don't think so. No, I, I mean, how do you straighten out a pension fund in three days? Well, they've dumped their... Chancellor of the Exchequer, so you know, we got another one now. I mean, that's a sign that you know, they, whatever stuff they're trying to float wasn't going anywhere, and they, they they were losing ground pretty fast. But they're not out of the woods yet, clearly. Yeah, the guy was there a whole month. Yeah, he's he's over in the U.S. doing like with a seminar, meeting some people. So he had to fly his ass back to London to get canned. What kind? Of just in time. Just <laughs> he, he basically got the word when he's over here to go. You got to fly back to to face the music. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. But I don't think trust is you know in, in it for the long haul either. I just think this, this is too many you know bounces around here for people. I think that they need somebody who's got you know more going for them than trust does right now. So they're looking for a Churchill and they don't have one. Yeah, they're in short supply. Well, we're kind of looking for a. We're sort of looking for a Lincoln or a Roosevelt here, and I'm not so sure sh- I see one of those on the horizon either. Mm. I, don't, I don't see them coming up to the ranks, Tom. I just don't. What, uh, without getting into a, a major political discussion, although, you know, with you right-wingers, I just, I just might. What, what is with the lady running for senator in, in, in Arizona? Did you, I was hearing Oh, Carrie Lake? Uh, yeah, did you hear her, her out-peep on, uh, was it Face the Nation, one of those shows yesterday? No, I didn't. I, I've been following some of the flaps with the debate, you know, the on and off debate with her opponent not wanting to debate her. I didn't hear what happened on Face the Nation. Or well, I don't know, whatever, whatever one of those shows, the, the two of them, I never, 
something. <laughs> oh, that you're talking about? She's an election denier. Yeah, she she they said, well, mm. if you lose, um, will you accept that uh, result? And she said, I expect to win, and I'll accept that result. <laughs> and so the lady. That's, that's, a, that's a shrewd statement. I think. So you, you stir up the pot well, with that well, one. Look at the Tom, the deniers. I mean, this, it's now become this this term of. You know, it's, it's just like somebody who's an absolute heretic for, for thinking that an election isn't on the up and up. But after 2016, that's all we heard it, 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 from the, from Hillary and her crowd. Denier's and nobody is coming back saying, "How dare you say those things about any election?" It's only when you say it about the wrong election or the right election, however you want to put it. But I, when you call people election deniers, that means that, that you got to accept every result. I mean, where would we be in Cook County if we took that position? Well, the one I, believe, I believe in having the right to vigorously protest election results when there's clearly been fraud, because we're, we've seen fraud. We we know about fraud. I mean, it starts with the rigging of the, the tickets themselves and the slating process and the order of the names and everything else. There is a, a, a an up and up thing about it to me, really, just locally. And then you, you think nationally, and then mail-in ballots and all this other stuff that we, we become so fond of. It just reeks of fraud. You got to believe that there is fraud, because those the deniers are, are really just making sure that they get the result they want, and they're going to, you know, accuse somebody who doesn't agree with them of being treasonous. That isn't that isn't how you have you know good elections. That doesn't instill confidence in the people who lost until it was stolen from them. Well, they but the, always been stolen elections. Believe me. You know? I think that the uh, amount of chicanery, unfortunately, uh, I think. Mo- in the end, probably, probably evens out. Like uh, you guys both said before, it's a the job is to get elected over and over again. And when you toss out a, a statement like that, that drums up all the spotlight onto you. And well, any that, publicity is good publicity. Well, so. Let me ask, ask both you, Maiden. I'll ask both you, Mavens. How do you go from we do, we know that? Uh, <clears throat> what did Karen uh, Karen say last time she was on? Her grandmother. They used to bring her to the polling place and give her a uh, was it a turkey and a pair of pantyhose? That's right. That's right. Well, you know, if I you listen to that, hey, John, you, Greg, you probably didn't, but Karen, yeah, no, I, I, I definitely heard that. Um, and we we kind of know that this is the drill. Yet, how do you how do you correspond that with uh, my buddy? Uh, I'll say his name. He's an attorney. He was on the board with me at the CBOE. Mark Duffy, great guy, real smart guy. By the way, he's one of, one of yours, John. Went to Mount Carmel. Oh, really? Really and, uh, matter of fact, he's on the board of Mount Carmel. Um, and, there's, and then there's been like a Duffy on the board of Mount Carmel for like 50 oh, years. Yes, they're the, they were honored at the last bank yeah. that I went to. They've admit like... You were there? And, um, you were there? Yeah, well, he was a cl- uh, Tom Duffy was a classmate of mine. He was, well, he was two years older than I was. <laughs> Get a load of this. I was supposed to go to that. Yeah. Audie and I were supposed to go. I would have bought you a beer, Tom. Well, so get a load of that. This is the one that was 250 bucks a plate? No. Oh, this is, we're supposed to go to some private shindig. Oh, yeah. So I go, all right, well, you know, like, here's the check. I'm looking at the thing. I go, it's tonight. <laughs> she goes, no, it's a 30. <laughs> we have their money in by today. I go, no, it's tonight. Anyway, <clears throat> we didn't go. But uh, so anyway, but, I mean, he was, uh, we were talking about this back in the, in the what, the Gore Bush thing or something. And, and Mark says, look, he says, the difference between... Uh, then we were talking, we were flying out for some board meeting. And, of course, they're trying to hold elections in God knows what place, you know, Zimbabwe or someplace. And uh, and he goes, you know, why do we keep doing this? 
there's there's no history of what do you call it the uh, uh, what's the the party that the uh, uh, what's the, what's the uh, not the patriotic but the uh, something something opposition the uh, uh, the the something opposition where you lose you try and figure out why you lost you still stay there you stay in Congress as the minority party you try and do better next time the uh, something opposition the uh, you, or, and then there's no orderly change of power in any of these places. Nicaragua, anyway, you can have an election all you want. The guy won't leave. <laughs> you know, he just says there's something wrong. I mean, the guy in Venezuela, he didn't leave, right? He lost. He goes, that's what sets us apart. So, so how do you go from that to there's always some fraud in every election everywhere? It, how do you how do you how do you make the choice that the other guys floated more than we did? Maybe we weren't as good at it because we sure would have been if we would have tried harder. How do you go from, you know, this is the, this is our our way of life is if you lose, you, you walk out and you try harder next time versus you didn't win, where, where's, where's the troops, you're not getting in here. I mean, we can't go down that road, John. We just can't. We're already down that road. Well, John. which is not yeah. good. Unfortunately. But I mean, you, what you also see in, in, you know, countries that have, have a less distinguished election history than ours um, you know, you start arresting the opposition candidates on the oh, yeah. election on some trumped-up charge that has nothing to do with anything meaningful. But you you want to do everything possible to get them off the ballot because you know that you you can't stand that result. You can't stand the thought of losing. Sounds and sounds a lot like what's guilty of this belief. I'm not saying it's just it just flows in one direction, but we become so gripped by this idea that we have to at all costs keep this figure in this job or do this take over and make sure that we never give an inch again has has kind of been evolving for quite a while. Well, Nixon, and, you know, Nixon had a bitch. We're deeply into it now. Nixon and had until a... you get people's faith restored in the results, and that, that doesn't mean just Republicans' faith. Um, you, you can look at it in, in the turnout numbers alone. I mean, figure, Tom, how, how could it be that Cook County has been hemorrhaging population now for a long time, um, but voter registration is up? Even though turnout is way down, I mean, that, that that to me strikes me. As if, if you've got to register to vote, I believe you think you're going to have the intention of voting at the nearest opportunity. But that that to me doesn't make sense. I got to believe these voting rolls in this county stink. Um, I'm not so sure. Well, but here you want to know. Is it funny you should mention that, John? As I'm <laughs> cleaning up my area here, this is <clears throat> here's a article from. Uh, November 27, 2011. Everybody thinks all this stuff is happening like today. And I think, you know, one of the things that I try and do is take the longer view on the show. This is uh, the lost decade. Cook County loses 26% of manufacturing jobs between 2000 and 2010. Cook County lost 89,100 jobs more than any other county in the United States except L.A., which saw 113,000 jobs disappear. Detroit's Wayne County lost 84,000 manufacturing jobs. Uh, every county in the Chicago area lost manufacturing jobs in the time span 125,500. So <clears throat> you wonder why people are leaving. What do you suppose that number is from 2010 till now? It's got to be another more than that. Oh, accelerated. Yeah. So, I mean, you're down to, I mean, why, why did, when, I mean, most people, I mean, you guys, and I'm, I'm sure Greg and maybe Matt, what was the, what was the great, uh, what they call it the great uh, uh, immigration, uh, not immigration, the uh, migration. Great migration. Mm. Yeah, it was from was black people from the south to Chicago, 
four manufacturing chimes. Basically, came up on the on the uh, city of New Orleans. That's just how the how the train got the you know the huge name and everything. They came up on the train. They landed here, lived with some people for a while, got a job, made ten times as much as they were making in Alabama or Mississippi, right? And that was that was the entire nineteen ten to whenever. I mean, how many years was that? There's the great migration oh, through, through to the 20s. Yeah, through and the 20s. The 30s too. I mean, that's why that's why you had uh, all kinds of uh, you know black people worked at Pullman, they worked at U.S. Steel, they worked at Southworks, they worked in all the million places Swift. that supported all those places. Swift. I mean, I got to believe there are a lot of a lot of them. A lot of people worked in Hawthorne. My uncle worked in Hawthorne. That was the, that's where every you know how many people there are thirty thousand people worked there, right? How many people was it twenty five thousand worked electromotive? These are massive facilities. And you lose them, and there's not that. Why, why would you want to live? Let me ask you this. Why would anybody want to live in New York or could afford to live in New York if you don't have a job paying you 200 grand a year or 150 and you're living with somebody? I mean, it's. I mean, you go where the money is, and the money's not here anymore. That's why. That we, was always Chicago's draw. Yeah. Through town. I mean, there were businesses popping up all the time. There were. And, and jobs that you could make. Good money at without much education, uh, as long as you, you, you with, the, with the steel mills and light manufacturing. This was a a magnet for people who had sort of lost all their possibilities for success elsewhere. But you could come here. My parents always said, if you can't get a job in Chicago, there's really something wrong with you. Well, my my grandmother's brother lived here for I don't know how many years from Columbus because the manufacturing jobs here paid like double Columbus. So he, he, you know, he paid rent and lived in my grandmother's place, his sister's place, with all her kids. Played football with my uncle on the whatever team they were on. Of course, he wasn't very good. Um, and at the end of the year, get a load of this. My uncle got this big, huge wool sweater, and he got some skinny little thin brother because he never played. <laughs> <laughs> he, he was not happy. <clears throat> there were serious. There were more serious, uh, as say, as a share of like the S and P. Though those bigger companies had much larger operations here. Oh, God, yeah. So whether it be the Armour and Swift or up to Sears and stuff, those those jobs were all, um, I don't know, they, they weren't, they were entry level, but they were with giant uh, business powerhouses. So, Well, they weren't really entry level because, I mean, if you work at Pullman, at some point you got to become a welder or something. Yeah. I mean, there's only so many people could sweep the place. Right. Every, everybody got, I mean, I think it, the U.S. Steel, I don't know how many people there were uh, helpers over a period of time. It's I'm saying you don't, you don't have that, that sort of, then downtown was a massive, uh, you know, how many people worked down here, for God's sake. I mean, the buses, but but you, you lose that, and all of a sudden, but I think one of the issues, what, bring, what you're bringing up, John, behind what you're saying, and you always take the, well, most of the people on here, we have too many attorneys. Well, actually, you never have too many yeah, attorneys. Yeah, I know. Never, you never, but it's 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 all it's all money. I mean, the amount of people now, when you're in office, the money you swing around to essentially your pals, we've never seen anything like it. Even I read something. I don't, I don't know if it's true or not, and I can't find it. Of course, even though I'm cleaning up, there's an article about how recently, in the last few years, we actually show we have companies' names in in, in some of these bills. And I'm I'm pretty convinced that somewhere along the line, this this article's not right because. I got to believe in some of these bills. If you're if you're got a tanker contract or something, Boeing's name's probably in the bill, but I, I don't know that. It's a, it has been since World War II. 
I mean, you go there and you get one of these contracts. I mean, it's it is. My, my uncle told me that uh, they were they were shooting people in the Chicago Heights election mm. years ago because Chicago Heights was always very shall we say mob oriented, and uh, and he would say, God, yeah, because if the mayor if if it's not your mayor. Because you have you have any idea what the towing contract off the tri-state uh, that goes through Chicago Heights that area, what that towing contract for accidents and stuff like that is worth for you to be called first and haul people's cars away? Because those guys those guys are willing to kill for that for that job for that for that contract. Oh, I, I, I'll vouch for that time because I, I taught in Chicago Heights and you know I was kind of steeped in the politics of you know the community college district and local politics and. To me, it was just as unsavory as it was 80, 90 years ago. Um, I don't want to talk too much on, on the air about it, but it was a, a lesson in just how entrenched some of these interests are, and it is all about the money. And you do everything possible, and there's, there's very few scruples that have worked here to hold on to that, and you, you can rig the process in a way that is pretty innocent-looking, um, but it doesn't take a lot to do it. And you know, the what, what I can see happening in Chicago now, and I, I've seen it for a while, is people are already demoralized by what they see happening to their pocketbooks. And their, when you and Greg were talking about you know, restaurant meals and what it costs now, or just getting the pizza, I mean, people are absolutely, absolutely shell-shocked in a way they weren't in the 70s and 80s. Right. It's happened so fast. But, but you, you add to that mixture the fact that, that, that there really seems no way of making a stab against this by going out and casting a vote for anybody. And, you know, the, the reduction of the precincts in, you know, the city of Chicago with redistricting, probably very few people are going to be voting in the same polling place in November that they voted in last June in the primary. I know I won't be. So you confuse it in such a way that people say, what the hey, now I, now I have to take two buses to get to my polling place? I used to be able to walk two blocks. Um, it's, it's going to result in an even more disinterested, detached electorate, which is exactly what crooked politicians like. They don't like engaged people when it comes to election time. They, they are frightened of that. They try to do everything ahead of time to make sure there isn't a really hot-button issue that's got people talking and complaining and fighting with each, with, the, with each other about. They want it to be nice and easy, and they prefer that everybody stay home. So I, I think we're we're now getting to that point where people are dropping out emotionally from the process, and that then the game is kind of businesses over for too. Me. I mean, then, then you just you might as well do away with elections if nobody shows up. For them. Well, you, we're, we're almost we're almost there. I mean, and Karen's uh, for those that don't remember, Karen Reeves came on the show a few times. I, I really think she's terrific. She ran with seventeen people for uh, what's the guy's name, Bobby Rush's district, right? Because he retired first district. Yeah, right. uh, and he... I saw his car the other day. Hopefully he wasn't he's, driving. He's, yeah, 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 you know, he, sometimes he does. It's, I think his license plate is number one. Oh, yeah. I mean, he he oh. almost ran into us one night. Yeah. I can't... I mean, he's... Let's put it this way. I'm not so sure he would pass the driver's test today. I mean, he seemed like a nice enough guy, but boy, I mean, he's he's up there. Plus, he's not he's not well. I, I, whatever. It's not my, my job to worry about who, who should be driving or not, but even though I just sort of went down that road. But anyway, I don't... What did she say last time she was on? 32%? Or something, something like there's that. There's 17 yeah. people, and, it, and it's hotly contested. And all of a sudden, you know, somebody threw a bunch of money after the, the crypto place threw a bunch of money at Jesse Jackson's kid, and he had some advert, and he won. She came in third, which is pretty darn good for 17. And I just, you know, you wonder, 
Jan, when I go down the block to my place, and there, you know, less and less people are there every time. Uh, there, there's, there is, there's nobody to vote for. I mean, they're, they're, people are all they're, uh, you know, one person running. They're, they're non-contested. They're this or that, and or, or I'm we're, plus we're in the, I'll say the ass end of the district where you took, you know, you might as well be blunt in this world. They take, plus I won't even call my my area a white neighborhood. It's a it's a wealthier neighborhood, and there's a lot of black people who live there. But uh, I mean, it's it they they take the, uh, the most of the district is the west side where people get shot every night, and so they they reach into our area to where our votes mean I don't know any of these people, they don't know me. I'm not, I'll never know. I mean, uh, so you sit there, your, your state senator, your state representative live in you know wherever the hell they live, somewhere out west, and uh, we have to remember we got booted out of uh, uh, the state senate and whatever he had to do to get booted out. Then he ended up being elected again. So you can't boot him out for the same thing as after the. Uh, oh after right. Well, he's he's my guy. I'm like, what, like, what am I you doing? You got a guy, huh? <laughs> like, what, what am I doing down here? And matter of fact, uh, Eric Gregg. People remember him. The show. Eric, well, nicest man I ever met. That's how. That's how Eric and I became friends. One night, Br- uh, Bridge, John's wife, she goes, uh, "Here's five judges you can't vote yes for." So of course I, I leave that thing on my dining room table like an idiot. So I get on the black and I say, "Well, I'm going to do what Bridge said." So I'm just gonna have to vote no for everybody, <laughs> judges. So I vote no for everybody. I get out to the triple sit down at the bar by myself. And the place is empty. All of a sudden, this huge black guy walks in, sits next to me, and uh, which is kind of weird. We're in an empty bar, so we start BS. And I go, well, "Where'd you come from?" He goes, uh, "I went down and voted." I said, "Me too." I said, "There's like nobody to vote for." And he goes, "Yeah." Plus, I voted no for all these judges. <laughs> I go, "So did I." <laughs> so that's that's how a beautiful friendship started like 15 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> he goes, yeah, I don't know these people. I don't think they do a very good job, so I voted no for all of it. So I said, the hell of it. And I said, I feel the same way. So we, we bought each other a beer. <laughs> anyway, but uh, you know, anybody who thinks that's, it's got to be, it can't be much different than a Russian election in my district. Mm. No, it isn't, Tom. It's, I think really that's the model. And it really does start far, farther back in the process, too. I worked on a couple of campaigns, you know, in records examinations where you go in when they're going over signatures on petitions to get on the ballot. And, you know, every signature is, you know, it could be a hair-trigger difference between getting kicked off or staying on. And you, you see pages of petitions that are obviously forged because it's the same exact handwriting, the same color ink. The, the, everything, if somebody just copied them out of a phone book, and they didn't really care if, it's the, if the address is in the district or not. But every single one of those fraudulent signatures is a felony. But unless somebody's got to you know, sit there and go through it and point it out, and then you have to get a state's attorney who's you know, up on election law who can you know, make it so that people don't do, try to do this a second time, let alone a, a 50th time, or you got whole industries doing it for these candidates. Some of it's on, on the up and up, I'm sure, but not a lot of it, I suspect. Well, we got to go to break, but why do you... These, how these clowns get on the ballot because they've got crooks getting them on the ballot. Well, there's people who, who will actually go out and get them for you, but why should... If the, if the Democrats and Republicans don't have to get any any election, any election signatures for the presidential election in Illinois, and I want to run as a third party, why do I? Mm. Right. So I mean, it goes both ways. I mean, and, and if, I, if I actually went out and got those signatures, they're going to have 15 people going over every one saying, I don't belong on the ballot. But why, 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 why do Trump and Biden belong on the ballot? They don't have well, any signatures. Either that or they get another five people with fake signatures and get them on the ballot to dilute your, you know, attractiveness to people. Right. It's kind of the, the Cook County way. Crypto well, that's, 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 that's a good, that's the, that's the way. If you're, if you're black and uh, 
white guys running against you, you got to find another white guy to run. Right. Same, same way. Bob Fioretti is yeah. like a professional. This now he's going to run against Preckwinkle again for the umpteenth time, and it's just to steer white votes. Well, no, but now he's he's not voting in the primary. He's voting in the general. Yeah, he's always a Republican. But you know, to me, it's, it's just, it's, he's there not because he has any interest in having this job. It's because he's there to dilute, you know, some kind of opposition that's got some real threat to Preckwinkle. I well, think he's being paid by her to do this, but I don't want to talk about that either. <laughs> which I'd sure like to see her lose. <laughs> SB Futures uh, up forty-two. Nasdaq Futures up one fifty-two. Be right back, Stacks and Jacks. Interested in promoting your business to a high-end audience comprised of entrepreneurs, traders, executives, and the everyday business person? Consider advertising on Stocks and Jocks. With a devout listenership covering the Chicago market along with a vast online presence, advertising on Stocks and Jocks may be just what it takes to put your business over the top. For more information, contact me, Matt Weber, at matt at stocksandjocks.net. That's matt at stocksandjocks.net. Hi, this is Audrey Johnson at Home Source Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. Sellers, if you're wondering if it's the right time to sell your home, call me and I will be happy to provide you with a free market analysis and a personalized sales program for your property. I will help you get the right information to maximize your returns in this economy. Buyers, it is the time to look for the home of your dreams. What you couldn't afford two years ago is available now. Don't get caught in the rent price spiral that's sure to come. Plus, if you buy or sell a home from me at Home Source Realty, you will get a free 40-inch flat-screen TV at your closing. Call me at 708-349-3456 or email me at audreyjohnson at realtor.com for more information and details on this offer. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Stocks, jocks, and jocks. stocks, and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right Oh, back Stacks and Jack. You're talking about Mr. Flanagan. He needs money no matter what. SP Futures up 42. <laughs> the SA Futures up 151. Just give me money, Tom. Just give me money. You know, money. Oh, oh. When, the, when, the, when, the, when the money runs out, the love stops or something. Is that what <laughs> something along those lines? I guess so, yeah. Uh, anywho, uh, it's a... I can't... We're, we're flying up here today. Jan, you could have knocked me over to Feather on Friday, how far we're down we went. And then... 
because we had a, uh, I think one of our best days ever on Thursday because we started uh, way down. We did it. We got our rolls off in the morning, which really was really quick work by my guys, and then we flew back up. So we actually got ourselves a lot longer. Wasn't it like a fourteen hundred point swing yeah, yeah. throughout the day? I mean, I've, yeah. Have you ever seen anything like that? I couldn't remember ever seeing. Uh, I haven't, and, and you, with a government event, I saw something like that. Long term capital, not, not that big a number percentage wise. I did where they came out and like lowered the discount rate in the middle of the Friday morning of expiration to bail out long term capital back in the day. I mean, these guys are. I mean, they 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 told me they did it on purpose, but a thing in New York. I mean, that's why I don't believe any of these people. Because actually, they, they want to tell you, which is weird. But I mean, you can't keep a secret anywhere, I don't think. But and then all of a sudden, and so all of a sudden, we we you know we made a, we had a huge day on Thursday, and we rolled our puts back up, but not not as severely as, as obviously we should have. You know, so on Friday morning we were right where we wanted to be, and we went flying back. Down. So I guess you know we 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 should have just taken Thursday as a one day event. Buttoned everything real tight up, and essentially gotten short on the clothes. But nothing on Thursday's clothes led you believe you needed to be short, with them, you know, allegedly straightening the stuff out in, in Britain and stuff. So we came in just, you know, a, you know, a little long, and we go flying back as much as we were up on Thursday. I mean, and now today we're we're trying going the other way. I mean, I think a lot of this, John, is is fabric of market stuff. Not all of it, but some of it is. I would really, I mean, I you know. Obviously, I was a creature of the trading floor, you know, and uh, but there were. It's not just, you know, people versus electronics. It's it's rules then versus rules now. The electronics has taken a lot of the rules away, the customer rules away, which it didn't have to do that. The electronic could have been inclusive, and it's not; it's exclusive. So, for instance, back in those days, there was a customer order book, or New York Stock Exchange, or the CBOE, or wherever you traded. A, the, the idea, you know, I'm trying to do this in some way where everybody understands what the hell I'm talking about. The idea of competition in those days was to foster competition for the order flow itself, for the trade itself, not the order flow. Mm-hmm. So in other words, all, all the IBM options took place in one pit, which one place. In those days, you know, you didn't have the electronics, so it had to be done person to person. But the idea was you could set up rules, and they did, that if all of a sudden uh, the IBM options are two and, eight, two and a quarter or something, I'm showing my age with the ace and quarters, but it's easier to say that, two and a half, two and a quarter. Well, if you want to put an order in to sell them at two and a half, the broker could put those in the customer order book with the confidence that when it got to, say you want to, offer, you want to sell 20 at two and a half, <clears throat> if that went in the book, before anybody traded it at two and a half, the customers in the book had to be taken care of first. So being in the book is, a, is an advantage and a disadvantage. The advantage is you get to be traded with first, so it may just trade two and a half, 20 times, you're the only person that gets a sell in there. They go right back down again. The other, the other point is if all of a sudden <coughs> something crazy happens and, and IBM starts marching up, well, everybody can see your order and somebody's going to buy them at two and a half when the next trade's going to be two and three quarters. But I've seen, you know, in, I think it's an advantage to, to, have, to be able to get priority at a certain price. Now, when we split through all the exchanges around, so there are all this order flow and people sneaking around and, and giving orders to individual people, you don't have that priority as a, as a customer. So what ends up happening is v- very f- much less people are comfortable putting a standing order in a pit because you're just going to get run over. 
I mean, you're you're not you're not going to get very rarely is going to trade your price and go back the other way. We're we're used to a lot in the old days because you were, you had priority. Now the only the only time you're going to get traded with if somebody if somebody's already five ace bid. I mean, not not all the time, but I mean it happens. So well, we we lost the real lot in the electronics. I mean you you can cheat electronically a lot easier than you can in person. Yep. Yep. And uh, so now we have this. You know, you put stuff in there, and I mean, every, I mean, we do a, a trades here, but we trades all day long for people. I mean, that's what we do, and constantly, you know, we'll be, you know, one and a half bid for a spread, one and a half bid. Nobody wants to do it. Nobody wants to do it. And, and of course, all of a sudden, we get filled, and, and the stock is already against us, right? Type of thing. But we still got it at a pretty good price. We didn't pay the offer. I mean, we've got it at a pretty good price that we wanted to do it. And now the market's so goofy, turns right around, goes by the other way, and turns out it's a good trade. So, but the, my point is. Is, is you, it could have been inclusive, and it wasn't. So, having said that, if all of a sudden there's a big move, there's some, there's some government announcement, there's some crap coming out of the UK or whatever it is. The S and P is there's there's no. I mean, back in the day, IBM, I, the IBM specialist probably where, where I got IBM this morning. IBM is at uh, one twenty eight eighty, up seventy six cents. All right, say it's one twenty three and three quarters. There would there would be probably twenty thousand shares offered at one twenty one, maybe fifty thousand at one twenty one and a half. There was this huge book that the specialists would have, and people had confidence that he would manage that. There's bids below the market, and there's offers above the market. I don't know if, I don't know if any of that's around now to the same extent where you have priority. So it doesn't surprise. What I think what happens is, is since these people have their offers and bids coming from outside, which isn't a bad thing electronically. I think if all of a sudden something bullish happens, some announcement comes out, I think they just pull all their offers or pull all their bids. So you'll see this 40, 50-point race in the S&Ps or NASDAQ, you know, 10, 20 points in a couple of minutes. I think what they do, they don't trade. They, they just pull their offers and bids. And there aren't, there aren't customer offers and bids in there because they don't trust the system, and I wouldn't either. So that's, that's why, I mean, one of the reasons why we have these, you know, exacerbated moves. But it doesn't mean... The market's going to get to the level that it's going to get to, and I, I don't think it, it it affects where you land at the end of the day, but it, it affects the trade. I mean, it, all of well, a sudden that, that puts us in a much clearer perspective than I had. You know, that that makes that makes a lot of sense, um, and I mean it, that implies or, or presumes that there is the ability to manipulate at some point, so that there are survivors and there are. <laughs> People who are not not surviving, or margin calls that are kicking into the detriment of some people, not to others. But it but it, it sounds like it's a real come down from what it used to oh, be. Oh sure. In, t- in terms of uh, of uh, the auction market and the honesty in the market is nowhere near what it was. Nowhere near. Even even though Finra will tell you that it is, they're so full of bleep, it's unbelievable. Uh, it's not at all. I mean, they'll you know they'll tell you that it, that there's no way you can do a trade in person. You can't write it down because it needs to be done electronically so they can track it. Yet, in an open outcry system, you can't. I couldn't pay a half if somebody else was at three ace. How could I? I'll say half bid and say, hey, idiot, I'm at three ace. Right? Well, now, all you got to do is get the guy, let the guy that uh, was at three ace just blow through him and pay a half. Now, you, it's, it's, it's messed up. It could be, be done a lot better. I mean, obviously, I'm not, you're not going to go back to uh, individual uh, trading pits, although. You could have one, and the electronics just flow through the trading pit. The point being, there's like 17 options exchanges, or 15. The only reason why there are is because people take their order, run somewhere else, and somebody sells, buys it. They're not buying it because the broker 
is doing a, is doing the, the the customer now becomes the person. If you if you go to one of these firms and they're not charging you, or they charge you real cheap. I mean, we don't charge very much, but we don't do that. I mean, their our job is to give you the best fill. Their job is to get the most money on the other end. It's not the same thing <laughs> at all. So, um, John, do you see any any way? I'm changing gears here. Do you see any way? We talked earlier about needing a, a Washington or a Roosevelt or somebody. Is there any way anybody could be straight right now and and come out with a with a story that actually is true and anybody believe them? Because everybody, if you're on the left and he's from the right, you're not going to believe him. If you're on the right and he's from the left, you're not going to believe him. Is there any chance for somebody to be honest and, and be actually a statesman here? Boy, I wish there were time, but you know, I, I watched that the Sydney Lumet movie Network the other day on the, the free movie channel here. You know, the Peter Finch and William Holden. Faye Dunaway, Robert Duvall, tremendous wow. cast, hmm. um, about, you know, TV ratings, but <laughs> that's the way to summarize it. But, you know, the, the Peter Finch character is this guy who becomes almost like a, a Trump-like figure. I'm mad as hell, and I'm not going to take it anymore. And he gets all, the, you know, the people in the country watching him, rallying around him. He becomes this, this cult figure, and they got this ratings bonanza. And then the, the president of the network, you know, is a, they're about to sell network to the Saudis and some shady oil deal, and he goes on the air and, and says this is what's happening, and of course the network is horrified by this, so they, they tell him, you know, you got to do something else here, you got to be matter-of-fact and tell people exactly the way things are going, and he has this, you know, tongue-lashing by the head of the network, and he changes his whole tune, and he's saying exactly how powerless people are, and this is really how things work in the world, we got to get used to this, and everybody tunes him out. It becomes a ratings disaster. I think if you had somebody who really could talk straight and tell people in, in what a mess we are, nobody would, would want to listen. They, they, they couldn't take it. <laughs> it's going to take a rabble rouser, which is what you don't want, to get people stirred up, up enough to put down their feet and say, I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore. But I don't know if you want that either. I think we, we've reached a point though where people are absolutely floundering. And they're ripe for some kind of solution, and it's probably not going to be a good solution. It's one that neither party wants to cultivate or be associated with, which is the key to Trump's success. I mean, I come back to this over, over and over again. He's so loathed by both parties that that makes him appealing to a huge swath of the population, and the parties have nobody to blame but themselves for letting that happen. But, but do, do people really want a succession of Trump-like figures? who are constantly bucking the system, constantly defending themselves in court, you're being trashed endlessly in the evening news, the entertainment programs. I don't think anybody's, maybe except Trump, has the stomach for that or the pocketbook. But it's going to take somebody who has more than Trump who's, has. Who's be, putting I mean, parties who's in their place. But I just don't see anybody like that either. I don't see anybody in either party, I'll tell you. The, the parties to me have just completely wrecked, you know, any hope in my mind for anybody coming up through the ranks that could fix anything. I think they're, they're a, all about not fixing a GD thing. I think so there's a, somebody much more unpalatable than Trump to get people stirred up enough to change it. I don't know how you get much more unpalatable, but I'll ask you somebody s- somewhere some someday there's somebody believing it's gonna make Trump look like, you know, oh, yeah. oh, you know yeah. like George Washington. Uh, I don't uh, I mean Here's here's what's weird about it, uh, John. For me, well, there's a lot of things that are weird about it. But uh, when when Hillary ran, uh, you know, Hillary had a lot of experience, a lot of this, a lot of that. And I think she's probably a pretty bright lady. Uh, 
But I thought she was an absolute sleazebag, and I couldn't vote for her. And uh, because, and I go back to what I've done my whole life, well, not my whole life, but recently, is trade and manage money for people and so forth. And uh, the idea that she let some firm put trades in her account that weren't hers, that, that that's a non-starter for me. Like, I can't, uh, there's no way at all that I could, I mean, I had some really bad days on the floor, but I always took my trades. I don't want anybody else's. <laughs> I didn't steal a trade I could have used uh, on a bad day. I mean, it's that's not me, and it wasn't anybody around me. And uh, none of the people that I still respect from the floor, they would never have done that. They would rather go out of business than, than do that. And uh, so that the whole episode with that, I don't care if she's running for dog catcher. It's a deal breaker for me. Not to mention, you know, the other crap you could put on there, the, the uh, overseas thing to... To get to get around the, they can't get money from foreign people for a U.S. election. Oh, the uranium yeah. one stuff. And yeah, the yeah. Clinton Foundation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so but I'm going to say, so I was reading the Tribune editorial uh, Tribune endorsement of Pritzker. Now you know, I don't know this, this, this Bailey. Uh, I I don't know that he's all that qualified, but uh, um, and, and it doesn't look like he's the best to me. But they're writing this, this editorial, and they're talking about. When he gave all that money to Bailey's campaign, or actually, I don't even know if Bailey even knew he was getting it, uh, to defeat the other people because he thought Bailey was easier to, to beat, the, 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 uh, the uh, editorial goes, uh, well, that's about one of the sleaziest things we've ever seen. Yet, in our mind, he's... St- now, to me, John, that's a deal breaker. I can't vote for the man. Yeah. Do you think he behaves any differently as governor yeah. than he did when he was campaigning? Yeah. Of course not. So I'm saying, why would he? Why should he? Now, now, where does that leave me with Bailey or the Libertarian? I'll probably vote for the Libertarian if there is one, or I'll write you in or something. But I, I cannot vote for him. If, if he's willing to do that, he'll throw a baby off a bridge for a vote. I mean, I don't, I don't want that man there. You know, and I, just like I didn't want Hillary there, and I don't want Trump there because he's a crook. I mean, I mean, it's you can't, you can't, you can't. You know, wing this lifestyle. And wh- where do where do we get these people? <laughs> I remember my mother's comment. I mean, I've heard it, but I've, well, people have heard it before. When when uh, was it Bush and uh, not Gore? Who was the second guy? Kerry. Uh, Kerry. She goes. How do we have in this country? How do we have two C students that both lay naked in a in a, in a, in a coffin looking up at dead animals? Can't we do better than that? <laughs> and, and, it, and and now those guys are saints compared to these people. Right. I mean, I, you know, I I don't. <laughs> I'll, I'll well, take some. This phenomenon that's happening lately, you know, it, it, you, you take Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger as, you know, you know Republicans who are gradually, uh, Kinzinger, they're both toast anyway, they, they should be toast, but they peeled themselves off of the Republican Party for whatever reason, um, because they just can't, you know, go along with, with, with what they see the party is headed to. And then you got Tulsi Gabbard, you know, peeling herself off from the Democratic Party because she can't stand where the party is going. This, this, these are kind of bells and whistles that I, I think the parties don't know how to respond to, but what they're, what they're really witnessing, and they seem to be apparently pretty happy with this, that they just made themselves intolerable to some of the younger and maybe more promising people that they had. I mean, Cheney's from this you know, very short-lived dynasty. I don't think she's got much going for her except her surname. But in another world, she would be no worse off than you know George W. Bush or or Jeb Bush or the whole family 
you'd have some sort of visibility and a leg up in any kind of election that you chose to participate. Well, what about Jesse Jackson's kid, for God's well, sake? That, that, that too. Yeah. I mean, these mm-hmm. dynasties, you know, do, there's, there's enough meaning and power behind them that, that people you know, seize on whatever opportunity they have to keep it going. And you got, you know, Cheney, who's made herself a pariah <laughs> in Wyoming, over what? You know, I don't know. Maybe she doesn't have to be in politics to have a lot of money, I'm sure. But it just shows that there's a kind of lack of interest in keeping this machinery going. Um, and that doesn't mean that this is the, really the end of an era. It just means that there's new, new players who are equally despicable, and they're going to milk it for all it's worth and create some kind of new dynasty out of the ashes of the old ones. But it, it shows that the parties are, are becoming such cesspools that even the people who had a future in them don't want any part but you, of it. But you lose your, somehow or other, you lose your moral fibers. This this lady, the Democrat in uh, Arizona, who was the last vote on this this big oh, infrastructure bill, Sanima, yeah. Um, if if it got out, can you imagine somebody saying that Paul Simon or Adley Stevenson or Everett Dirksen or even Peter Fitzgerald, they're voting this way because the company gave them a million bucks? That that would get in the press? I would say any one of those people would have resigned. This lady thinks it's fine. And, and the voters think it's so. How is there not a recall? I don't think you, there is a recall election for a senator, but how does, how does the Senate not kick her out? You got well, they want more people like her in the Senate. I've concluded, Tom. I mean, that, that, that seems to be the qualification to get in and stay in the Senate, is to be that crass. It just just that, cash that, the checks as they that, come to but you that's un- and respond accordingly. This, this seems to be what makes the Senate <laughs> you know, survive, really. But how did... How did I, I, you know, I love the... I don't know why, but I always love to dig into the detail. There's, well, there's 50 Republican and 50 Democratic senators. If I'm, if and, and this year there'll be, let's let's say there's 15 new people. How do I determine if I'm if I'm you know some huge hedge fund manager, which I was a hedge fund manager, but we weren't that huge. In uh, in this capital gains treatment of essentially my bonus, which has no business being, because I don't own any of the stock. Uh, that's what that's what they what this uh, this carried interest is, really is. I get capital gains treatment in my bonus. I might as well explain it. If, it, if I ran a hedge fund, it was like two and twenty. What that means is the people who put their money in the hedge fund, I get two percent. Say there's hundred million dollars goes in there, I get two percent of the uh, hundred million. Uh, you know, split up monthly, so I get a two percent fee. You have to have a pretty good track record to get two and twenty, but. And then if, if, the, if the thing makes $10 million, I get 20% of what it makes. So most people would think that that's, like, pretty friggin' good enough, right? But no. If it turns out that I made, you know, a lot of that money on stocks that were held over a year, say half, now the people in the fund get, get to have half of that stuff held over a year gets to be long-term capital gain. Because it's their money. They own the stuff. I'm just managing it. I don't have a penny in the thing. Okay, but now, but that's not good enough for me if I'm as greedy as these other people are. I need, I want, if if half the income made in the fund is long-term capital gain, and my bonus is now $2 million, I want half of my bonus to be considered as long-term capital gain when none of the gains are mine. All I'm doing is getting a bonus. That's that's carried interest. I don't think anybody thinks that that makes any sense to anybody other than the people <laughs> that are getting it and have always had it and don't want it to change. So that's that's what people have been bitching about for really 30 years, and every single time it comes up, 
but how is it if that's my shtick if i'm like the you know black rock or somebody like that how do i identify how do i identify her early on in arizona of all places not new york or delaware or someplace how do i identify her as somebody if i if i give her fat behind a, a, a you know a two million dollars when the day comes first of all how do i even know that there's going to be a day where there's one vote that that could carry the day on this carrier interest how do i anticipate that far, it's so far in advance john to where i actually give her this dough hoping this day will come she's from arizona and she's a first term first term uh, right and, and how could she survive politically once we got out what was going on you know, I'll, I'll go out on a, a limb tom and i would say that the reason things one of the reasons things have gotten to the point they they have is that we don't have any more political cartoons or political cartoonists because back in the day i, I hate to keep saying this but um you had the front page of every major, not even major newspaper, but you had a, a gifted artist with a strong political bent who could, in one picture frame, in the Tribune, they were often colored, they're beautiful artworks of some fat pig with the name Pritzker on it, doing something horrible. And even somebody with a fourth or fifth grade education who was likely the typical reader of a lot of these newspapers understood exactly what some people thought of Pritzker, and they would laugh at it and remember it. And he had a newspaper on the other side that had, you know, the same label attached to Pritzker's opponent. But you, you were engaged in what was really happening here, and you began to see how seamy a lot of this stuff was. And a cartoonist could do what a political commentator can't do, and that's just rivet you with an image, and you don't have to be a political theorist or have an eighth-grade education to understand what's going on here. For, nobody reads newspapers anymore. No. But the, they've all gotten rid of their cartoonists because they realize that this is political dynamite. John, how do you... How do you the, the good ones really could change elections, and it did change elections, oh, yeah. because people got a, an, an immediate sense of what a complete schmuck this idiot is who everybody's told me to vote for. Instead, you get, just get TV ad after TV ad. They all look the same. They're yeah. all produced by the same companies. You can't make head or tails out of where you stand in any of this, other than you have some nice old lady saying, vote for this person, and you have some mean person on the other side screaming and yelling, oh, I don't want to vote for the person that guy's in favor of. Mm. Well, this isn't, this isn't particle cartoonism. This is just sheer propaganda. Well, but, but uh, Jan, we, since we don't have political cartoonists anymore, nobody gets any remember how, uh, information going head to head. Remember mm-hmm. how when Watergate kept going along, Tricky Dick's nose kept getting bigger and bigger? Right. <laughs> <laughs> like Pinocchio. <laughs> but I guess the thing that really enthralls me, and I don't, I don't expect you to have the answer, but how was she identified? Early on, by these by these hedge funds, how why would you even pick? I mean, like suppose. Well, I think the same way a lot of these people are identified. They've been they've been identified long before they ever ran as being malleable people, and they they have controllers from the t- probably the time they were in high school at some level who were telling them what to do, and they didn't have enough gumption to do the opposite. And they've been watched and cultivated, and they've been you know drinks bought for them, favors done for them. And it's clearly understood from the get-go what they're there to do. I, I don't, I don't want to sound completely crass, but I, I, I can't help feeling that way. That they've, they've all been targeted from a long way back. Otherwise, they would never get a penny of somebody's money to run for office if they hadn't already shown they could do what somebody else expected them to do right. for whatever favors were being built up. That's how this class of politicians has been identified. And the ones who play dirty or who will go off the reservation are cast out right away. You never hear about them again. Well, that's why I went, that's why nobody wanted, I say nobody, she had a lot of votes. Nobody nobody wants Karen. 
she's just in there to do a job. She's a straight talker. Yeah, or, and, she, and she, you know, she she makes it clear to me when I when I've listened to her on your show that she doesn't buy a lot of what people are telling her to sell. Right. That's 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 kind of you know. I'm glad she got the amount of, of support she did because she's clearly entitled to it. But at some level. The parties don't want somebody. Who's well, Jesse got Jackson's a kid, or anything else. By taking that money, told everybody right out of the gate that he's for sale. Yep. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. But there's no—I don't think there's any question. But it, it's—I mean, uh, I mean, uh, the, uh, our other—we'll run over here a second. But our other other guy, Keith Pico, we got to get him back on. There's uh, a guy that he's mayor, and he managed. To, you know, he became, becomes mayor, hard fought in a you know, relatively small town, but. Nationwide, but that's a pretty big site, pretty big suburb, uh, and he does a good job. He f- he fights the COVID thing, and he lets the business people, you know, without any mo- a whole lot of problems, put picnic tables and stuff outside their place and do business outside without you know screwing permits and stuff. And all of a sudden, but now he's he's maybe going to win only because they redistricted the place and basically dropped the district on top of Orland, you know, and uh, which you know if, if it he could never have won if that didn't happen. I mean, I'm saying he's going to help he wins. Mm. But I, I don't, I mean, he, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, now he's somebody who probably doesn't have to take just because the way, you know, the world landed on him and with the district. But now if he ends up going to Washington and he has a reputation of, of not taking dough for people, what committee is he going to get on? What end of the bench is he going to be? Is, in two years, is he going to be back uh, running for his old mayor job again or what? I mean, is he going to be able to, I mean, are they going to ice him? Well, you need like a Operation Greylord investigation of Congress, where they have really indict half of the members, yeah. <laughs> or or make put such a cloud on them that nobody will vote for them again. And I, I'm always afraid when there's when there's sea changes like that, where you just get rid of people because you're so sick of them. That doesn't mean you necessarily get better people. Well, but if somebody, but we clearly have to get rid of this dead wood that is holding everybody. Well, then you, well, then you drop. But if if you and I were to do that. How do, how do we stay pure in Pharaoh's wife? I mean, uh, who who will guard the guards? I mean, uh, what makes us? No, you're, n- you're yeah. never going to get a transparent system unless oh. people demand it. And uh, we got a very passive electorate who's afraid to, you know, say boo if it's to the wrong yeah. person. They're afraid they're going to lose their job or be canceled or whatever for expressing their opinion. Un- until we change that, you're not going to have anybody willing to stick their neck out. Well, we got to dash out. We got to get Audrey on and talk about. Houses and making some money like with houses or something. Mm. SP Futures up 46, NASDAQ Futures up 174. We're roughly halfway back of the Friday fiasco. We'll see if we keep going. Be right back, Stacks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know all while exploring how to live your best life through music spirits food sports travel fitness and a whole lot more luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures it's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into wall street's investment gurus it's for mavericks who believe in life luxury and the pursuit of happiness it's for you smart investors don't bet on possibilities they play the probabilities luckbox is 7.99 
online on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howe, the Chief. Markets close to all-time highs, interest rates close to all-time lows. Investors are nervous, no return on cash balances, may have some invested a little too much for comfort, some not invested at all, earning very little. The market itself seems nervous. Experts say you should protect yourself. Experts say you should never sell. Experts say to get out right now, if they are all experts. Then again, they do not know you or your situation. There are also some strange things going on at brokerage and investment advisor firms. Some solid clients and even some diligent brokers and investment advisors are being tossed out. Not big enough, don't charge enough, whatever the reason. This may leave you in a place where there literally is no one knowledgeable left to talk to if needed. PTI Securities and Futures is still here. Either here in our Chicago home office or in Arizona with John Neal, we still believe in servicing clients and providing a home for the right brokers or investment advisors the old-fashioned way. We are competitive, but we are also available to help. The last few years have seen a straight-up market without the need of a lot of investment help. What about this year or next year? If things change in the markets, do you really think you are ready? We also have a long history of designing and managing portfolios for people just like you. might be good for you to check us out at PTISecurities.com. It's PTISecurities.com. Support the Stocks and Jocks team. Hats, t-shirts, sweatshirts, jackets, and Chief's favorite, the Stocks and Jocks ladies thong, all available at our online store. Just go to StocksandJocks.com and click the link to order any amount of great Stocks and Jocks merchandise for yourself and any other Stocks and Jocks listener in your life. The prices are affordable and the selection is out of the park. The Stocks and Jocks online store at StocksandJocks.com. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They're located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello and welcome back to Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tom Al. Matt Byrne on the board. SP Futures up 45. NSA Futures up 173. So we're hanging in here. We're not, we're not bouncing it all down. Uh, so we're trying to get back uh, most of what we lost on Friday after that huge turnaround day on Thursday. I mean, last week was uh, uh, kind of wild. Actually, we ended up being a pretty good week uh, for the good guys here. Uh, today will make it even better since we're coming in long after Friday. Um, although I'll tell you what, it's getting fatiguing a little bit every day like this. 1, 2, 3%. Remember to the years when uh, I think it was during the Obama years, and that's saying good or bad. We went how many how many days without a one percent move? Well, and we have one percent. Couple hours is now. Dow futures up two eighty six. Individual stocks. Somewhat earlier, Caterpillar up four oh eight. We got American Express up one sixty nine. We got Apple up two thirty nine. There isn't a, there isn't a patch of red anywhere here except in the uh, uh, interest rates being down. So it's only only red I have. Well, make that three. The VIX 
But here's what is kind of sneaky. The VIX is still 31.94. So volatility index is is higher now than really at any time in the last few months with all this stuff going on. So I think the market is still uh, uh, a little bit crazy with this up. And I don't think it's a sign of a healthy market, even though obviously today is looks pretty healthy. Uh, the DAX up 158, 1.3%. FTSE up 55.8%. Kakaron up 66, 1.1%. In Asia, we've got Nikkei down 314, 1.2%. Uh, Shanghai up 12.4%. Hang Seng up 25.1%. But still, 16,612. And just, I'll take a second here to get the uh, the graph up on this thing. and uh, Or chart, as the, as the analysts would say. And if you go, you... Uh, we want to go to one, one year on this. We were at 26,000 a year ago. We want to go back to five years. Uh, we were at 30 years in 2018. This thing was at 32,700. So they're half of what of, of where they were, which is really not what you want. Um, again, we've got uh, all right. So we did Asia Friday. As crazy as it was, uh, Friday we were down. Uh, 403 in the Dow, we're down 86 in the S&P, down 327 in the NASDAQ. So we bounced back roughly half across the board on everything there. So, uh, you know, I don't know what, what that tells you if we're going for the rest of the day. Uh, Ten-year, uh, now if it was Thursday, you'd want to sell here, but uh, this isn't Thursday. A uh, Ten-year is minus 0 0.8, 0 0.08, 3.92, just as we touched 4%. Uh, Bund minus 12 basis points, 2.23. Uh, Japan unchanged at 0.25. We've got oil up 25 cents, 85.86. Brent up 42 cents, 92.05. Natural gas down 43 cents at six dollar and one cent. I can't believe this thing is going to go under six bucks after being nine something. It's just crazy. Uh, gold now up 21 bucks, 16.80. Silver up 60 cents, 18.97. Copper up two cents, 3.45. Well, we got Bitcoin up 235, 19,502. But still, now we're near the 20,000 where people are breathing a big sigh of relief. Uh, and we've got the U.S. Uh, dollar is getting kind of whacked today. The pound's up 1.2% uh, to 1.13. Mm. And the uh, euro dollar, euro, not the euro dollar, the euro is up 39 basis points. That's 0.4% to 97. Yeah, Matt, what do you got for us? Traffic, weather, sports. Hey, good morning, everyone. Currently 7.40 a.m. on Monday, October 17, 2022. Traffic in Chicago is an accident involving two vehicles on the Dan Ryan. It occurred at Slate Street between West Marquette Road and the ramp from I-94 West. Keep in mind, CTA number 29 state buses are being rerouted elsewhere. Weather in Chicago, pretty clear this morning. Possibility of rain from 3 to 6 this afternoon. Right now, though, we're currently at 36 degrees. Today, expect a high of 43 and a low of 36. In Phoenix, though, clear skies, currently 63 degrees, a high of 83 and a low of 63. The MLB playoffs yesterday, Yankees beat Guardians 4-2. Both teams back again tonight in New York to play at 6.07 p.m. The NFL tonight, Denver Broncos play LA Chargers at SoFi Stadium. Broncos currently stand at two wins and three losses, Chargers 3-2. Game starts at 7.15 Central Standard Time. That's all for now, Chief. Back to you. We have Mr. Flanagan back. Does Odd didn't call in? We do indeed. You got me back, Tom. <laughs> so <laughs> round two. All right. So while, while, whilst you're here, let's uh, let's let's talk some real estate. Uh, yep. Actually, I had the, uh, the pleasure yesterday of uh, both talking to Nancy and Audrey. Nancy came over to Odds, and uh, we talked about two bright ladies uh, talking about uh, real estate stuff, and it's uh, the the change has been somewhat dramatic in. Uh, and uh, I didn't realize, but Nancy was telling me that uh, 
if if you have a house um, and you and you and the you and wifey are both on the house and you decide you're going to get divorced and you want to get a new mortgage then which is your name on it or her name on it and money gets off the mortgage that's a new mortgage and a new rate yeah ouch go from three percent yep. to six or six and a half or if you want to bring somebody else in too you know it's a whole new order well, wow uh, i remember back in uh the 70s, they had stuff called assumable mortgages and stuff. Of course, those are all the way the dodo bird, right? Oh, yeah. You know, it, you know, a lot of people did it without telling the lender, which could be you know, a breach of one of the mortgage covenants that it makes the whole you know, mortgage balance due. Um, but if you actually were above board and went to the lender and said, you know, I've got somebody else who I can't sell this house except on these terms and this you know, this guy can't get a mortgage. Well, would you be willing, if you, if you determine the credit worthiness of this person, to do an assumption agreement and let them assume the applications under the mortgage? And if you're a really kind lender, you might do that. But I don't think any lender today is that kind. <laughs> God, what, uh, what is, uh, you know, what is the situation with, uh, what the hell was I going to ask you? I was thinking about what Jimmy said last week in the middle of my question, which which is not good. But what is the situation where people, you know, you've never missed a payment, now you can't afford your own house. I mean, it's, where, where are we going with this? I mean, in the, Audrey tells me in the, in the Orland area, because there's such, there's a lot of people just want to move there, the prices are not all that crazy anyway, that there hasn't been this kind of collapse yet, that if you have a a nice house, you're still getting multiple bids on the place. I mean, not like it was, not the craze. I mean, Audrey pretty much called the top last summer, and she was right on with that. Uh, you're not you're not getting that. I mean, other parts of the country which spiked higher, I think, have already come down ten, fifteen, twenty percent. So, in at least, I mean, you're not going to see it in the in the in the closing prices yet, but you're seeing the listing prices starting to come down. So, I mean, what what is are, are we are we going to be better about this this time? It's not going to be two thousand and seven and eight. I mean, Nancy claims that she doesn't have anybody who's carrying two mortgages where you buy the one house and don't worry about it. I'll sell the other house. I mean. So there's not that people have sort of learned on that. What, what's your read? I mean, I, I got to believe these prices cannot stay here if the interest, if the, the mortgage rates are double. I mean, it's double the price, I and mean, people just all of a sudden get a, a two times raise. I think you know Chicago was lucky in some respects because the run up in prices following you know 2008 was not as great in Chicago as it was elsewhere. At the time, I was I was pretty you know, demoralized because I saw values not bouncing back the way they were elsewhere in the country in places that I thought were not as attractive prospects as Chicago to live in. But I think that has helped in some ways because it, the run-up was slower and and the downturn isn't going to be as dramatic or felt as strongly as it is in other places. So th- th- that's, I guess, a good thing. O- over, over time, I wish prices had gone up, you know, commensurate with the national average here, although they didn't, uh, that that may help Chicagoans generally. But but the worst thing, and that's what you, you've identified several times, you, these people are now trapped in their houses because they can't buy the, certainly the same house, let alone a smaller one, without getting a mortgage that's on far worse terms than the one they're sitting on right now. So they, they really have to stay put you know, to see where this ends up before they make any big changes. And that's got a depressive effect throughout the economy. 
you know, it, 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 they just close to their homes because they, the prospect of getting another home is completely out of sight for them. I mean, it's just it's not, not going to happen. But it's the same thing now with buying a car. <laughs> um, you got to live along with the, you know, the 2,000 gas guzzler you've got until it drops dead. Hey, hey. You know, pick up another gas guzzler. I'm not, I'm not point, point fingers. I love gas guzzlers. <laughs> well, I wish we had more of them. Th- does anybody have a bigger t- uh, gas guzzler 2,000 than me? <laughs> well, you're, you're lucky to hang on to it, I think. You're smart to hang on to it. Oh, I'm a, yeah. Um, <laughs> better, better you have that than an electric vehicle. You can't you know, pay the electric bill to recharge. So. Well, yeah. Because fossil fuels that are producing the electricity are being legislated out of existence. Did you see that Chicago is not pushing no more natural gas service in new construction? They are? Why? Well, so this is a little, little article in the Sun-Times on Saturday, and even even the person writing this article said that there's a certain irony here as people's gas is still a multi-billion dollar scheme to revamp everybody's natural gas service when it looks like there isn't going to be, you know, after a certain date, and it's probably a 2032 or something, no more building permits for houses with natural gas service. That's already happened in New York State, by the way. They're out of their mind. They're out of their mind. They're out of their mind completely. I mean, I, you know, but think about how diversity in energy time works the same way as diversity in opinion and you know political consequences and everything else. We don't want no diversity. We ain't got any room for diversity. We don't want any kind of choice. It's going to be this, and you're going to like it. And if you don't like it, you, you're SOL. Um, I don't call that diversity. I call that tyranny. <laughs> I'm going to say, what, did, what, did, what does Carol say that the most, out of a, most, well, not most, but a big chunk of your electric is made from natural gas? Hmm. Yeah. And, and what did Carol and say? Coal. <laughs> well, but I mean, natural, but natural gas is the one everybody's pushing, other than, than green. But natural gas is the, is, is the greenest of the fossil fuels in terms of cleanliness and so forth. So, Tell me how it's it's okay to have a natural gas plant 30 miles away, degrade that over the wires for 30 miles, get it in my house, and put it into a electric heater. How that's anywhere near as efficient as having one of these 95% natural gas furnaces they have now. It's not even close. Neither no. neither is, is uh, heating up something on your on your range is as efficient as just burning the natural gas under your pot. Let's see how we're not even in the same planet, are we? No. I mean, the advances in natural gas heating, just in, in my recollection, you know, living in houses for most of my life, that were either heated by oil, you know, hot water systems, or gas hot water systems, the, the humongous gas systems that used to be standard have shrunk to, you know, a fraction of sizes. Yeah. And the, and the consumption rate for them is dramatically better than it used to be. And the heating effect of this, too, is much improved. So it, in my lifetime, there's been a huge advance made in the efficiency and cost-effectiveness of natural gas as a heating source. And I suspect if somebody really put their mind to it, there'd be a lot more productiveness down the pike and cost savings and transmission savings and everything else if, if people really were focused on that. But instead, we're focusing on stopping it yeah, but you know, completely. If you, if you go with my theme of, of lately is the most screwed up theme I've ever had but it's is it these guys don't care I could I could if if I was running for office and I just wanted to get in and thought whatever maybe I thought I'd be the best thing since sliced bread for the world or whatever or I'm just a sleazebag one or the other I just got to get in there because there's money there I could easily John 
say, well, we're going to make sure nobody gets natural gas in the year 2040. Jen, that's 10 elections from now. Who gives a crap? Mm. <laughs> right? I mean, I can, I can say what the... Well, I will move down by then. I mean, you know, but in the year 2050, everybody's going to have sex every day. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's, that's a long time between now and 20 and 50, and who's going to remember? <laughs> I mean, I guess you can say whatever you want. I mean, push it out far enough, right? Right. I mean, it but, is, you know, there's a lot of story that people say, oh, yes, well, let's not wait 10 years, let's do it tomorrow. Well, I tell you what, you don't have to worry the way the city's going. You don't have to worry about new construction in, in 2032 right. because there won't be any. It's kind of moot Who's going to be building anything habitable here? But you know, John, which I don't, I'm surprised at the, as you say, we let our politicians and everybody go off and these, uh, you know, we don't we don't hold hold their fingers to the grindstone or whatever you want to call it or put them in the stocks and the, but th- this episode with the Fed, and uh, and, I, and I don't see how the, the the money is is pretty easily there. Uh, the numbers are easily easily there if you want to look at them. I mean, I'm not I'm not talking brain surgery here, but same thing same thing with stock markets. I mean, I know people just roll their eyes when I say you don't want a market racing up only to raise down because you're not even on the taxes. And oh, by the way, people borrow money at the top. You always lose more on the way down than you made on the way up, collectively, because of the margin and because of the tax law. And people sit there and go, I don't know what that guy's talking about. He's, he must be from the moon. Well, if a house, housing goes from 330 on an average house to 400 and back down to 330, you say, what's the difference? I've been living in my place for... 10 years, I didn't sell it at 330, I didn't sell it at 400, now it's back to 330. What's what's the what's the bleep, right? Well, you have to, I think somewhere along the line, you got to open your eyes up, not as you an individual or a listener, but the Fed. You you can't let that happen. If, if you look at people's savings in this country, you'll find out that there's not a lot of it. So for a couple, you know, a, a first-time buyer, for a couple to somehow beg, borrow, and steal or work for them. And Audrey's got people that she's, Nancy's got mortgages for and Audrey's sold houses. They're, they're 26 years old. Jan, and, the, and the, the wife has been a nurse the whole way, or an executive, whatever the thing is. And the guy has a good job, maybe works two jobs, works his fanny off. Audrey has all kinds of these young people she does business for. And the fact is, the guy worked maybe... Instead of him and the wife going out and uh, having a good time every Saturday night, he worked on Saturday. And maybe she did the night shift at work. They save up seventy grand for these houses. They do things like people used to do. There's all kinds of young people around that are on the same wavelength. Hmm. So, bec- so if you run mortgages down to three percent, so these people got to pay forty four hundred for this house. They get the mortgage, and all of a sudden, six months later, that rate is six and a half. And the house is three thirty. They've just lost their entire five years of working in that house. Now, granted, if they if they stay married and they live there for the next forty years and have twelve kids and everybody lives happily ever after, they're not they're not going to notice it. But Janet, it's like the it's like the bad bond on your on your account that gets marked the market. If you ever thought for a second, hey, honey, we just we just dropped seventy G on this pig. I don't. I mean, I, that, that's the stuff suicides are made of. I mean, I'm, but people don't think like that because they don't price their house their house to market every day if they're living there and they're still working and everything's going good. You don't do that. But but people are in charge. The Fed needs to know that. They, 
you you can't do stuff like that, John. You can't you can't eviscerate your population like that. And yet they did it now the second time. Was was the first time? Two thousand eight. Wasn't that long ago? That there's nowhere, no place for that kind of pain to register politically, Tom. And you would think that maybe at the, at the polling place, but you know that that isn't happening either. But it, but it's so painful for people. If you have another kid, or if you have a, a an illness, or a job reversal, or something else, and you're stuck in a house that doesn't serve you well anymore, but it's the only house you're likely ever to own. How are you going to? Are you really going to take care of that house? Are you just going to walk away from it? Are you going to pay the taxes on it? Well, you're going to continue. If you're already so stretched and your your quality of living in this place is reduced from what you once dreamed of having, I I see it's it's bad for business all the way around. It's bad for consumption patterns throughout the economy. Well, you're still, it's the exact same trade as, as buying a bond two years ago and now, hey, you're still getting your interest. You're still going to get, hopefully, they're going to pay the bond off. Uh, God, surely, hopefully, if it's a U.S. government bond. So, in, in, in essence, you're ish, you're, you haven't changed. You're, you've still got your $1,500 a month uh, mortgage or 2000 that you could afford on day one. Now, hopefully, you and your partner have gotten somewhat of a raise. So, it's actually easy. Life is going to play out for you fine if it plays out the way you intended. Right? The problem is, but you have, you have no control. Yeah, the problem is, one day your company goes under, right. and then somebody else says, "We just bought the place, and I'll give you your exact same job. Maybe we'll even give you a ten percent raise in uh, Tulsa." And now you say to the wife, well, "Maybe she's a nurse or something." She says, "Well, I can always get a job in a hospital in Tulsa. The last time I checked, there's hospitals there." But now, what do we do with this pig? We sell it for three thirty. We eat seventy, which is all we put up there. We've lost our entire down payment. But if it's, it, but it's it's not as bad as two thousand and eight, where you know people got caught with two and three houses that they were flipping and stuff. It's that there's not that kind of leverage, and there's no. Le- I don't think there's anywhere near the leverage in the system, Jan. So I don't think there's there's anywhere near the danger to the system that there was in two thousand eight. But there's clearly the danger to the to the every man, the people we care about. I, I see the whole system much more fragile now than in twenty oh eight. Just because people have no real backup, you know, they can't afford an automobile, a new automobile, at any price, pretty much. Right. Given in 2008, you could afford, you could afford two automobiles back then, decently. You know, things wouldn't be ashamed to be seen in. Um, but now, and education, healthcare, everything else has just outpaced anybody's ability to keep up with it, and that that was not happening. And so apparent a scale in 2008. You know, the run-up in houses did not correspond to any kind of run-up really elsewhere in the economy that I recall, such that people were, you know, deciding not to eat out anymore or make this car, you know, last another two or three years or another ten years. But people weren't thinking in those directions. Then, well, the they, they the spread between uh, median income and median housing price is actually bigger now than it was then. But you can't... But there were... Because of because of all the, the crap that was going on, John, with the uh, people borrowing from Japan and buying these these mortgage packages, there was there was thirty five hours of thir- somewhere in there lower thirties dollars worth of leverage on every dollar of mortgages. That that as a system collapse is much more a system, not individual, was much more dangerous than that, that. I don't believe that any of that's happened. Well, nowhere near to the extent that extent is happening now. Because people aren't borrowing money in Japan to 
to buy into three percent mortgages. Uh, you know, so much that they had to make fake mortgages to sell to people. I mean, it, right. it's a whole different. Right. So the, the, this, let me say that individuals are probably a little worse off, but collectively, the system is way better off. Now, I don't know what that means, but that's I think that's a fair assessment. Would you agree? Yeah, I think. But the Fed, to me, is much more. <laughs> detached from reality now than they were then. And I thought they were pretty detached from reality in 2008. Well, the, the only thing that's about the Fed is that they they bought into this uh, COVID and other things. The, the problem with the COVID, Jan, is it is it in one man's opinion, if you'd have been, did the straight and narrow for uh, the last, since 2000, really 2008, but say since 2000, if you didn't sneak the money supply up every year more than you should have, and had these massive uh, cesspools of like a college tuition, healthcare, the people that already totally outstripped people's ability to pay for it. That all happened before COVID. If none of that would have happened, if you still, you know, had where a person could pay for his emergency room visit out of his own pocket, like it was in the '60s and '70s. I mean, if, if you, if you, uh, if none of that had ever happened. And the COVID showed up for let's say a year, which it should have been. It got stretched out a little further. And somehow or another, you asked the Fed to pony up some cash to send out checks to people to keep people going. If it was a one-time event for a year, it's still not the right way to do it. You should have you should have borrowed money more, and, you, and maybe maybe you know. That, and, but the idea that the idea that you you know you pony up some dough in, in an emergency situation. I don't have a problem with it, but but if you're already doing it all along the way, if you're already in hack up to your eyeballs, then you really got a problem, right? Which is what happened. Right. Right. And that, of course, now, you know, as, as Carl and other people were saying last week, you know, the public sector rules now. Yeah. Uh, any kind of stable job opportunities or growth possibilities or whatever, they're not in the private sector. No. Um, that, that, again, just makes people, you know, more <laughs> manipulated and, and beholden. To a system that already is tilted yeah, against Jan, them, it doesn't take them into consider- consideration at all. We got a dash, but I'm not so sure that's true. I couldn't have my janitor job; they all got sourced out. I couldn't even be a janitor. Hmm. Actually, I became a custodian somewhere along the line. Was that a promotion? I think you do a great job. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's a P futures up 54. Days if you're up 211, we're gonna get come back on most of Fridays. It looks like we we'll back tomorrow. Stocks and jacks. Brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI ProDirect. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968.